Well, good morning and welcome to Peachtree Christian Church. We are a cathedral for the city of Atlanta, a place where life, culture, and faith cross paths. On this Mother's Day, we extend a special welcome to all of our extra friends and visitors. In addition to celebrating Mother's Day, we're also celebrating that Peachtree Christian Church was founded 94 years ago on May 10th, 1925. In an article appearing about the founding of Peachtree Christian Church, just a few days later in the Atlanta Constitution, we find the following words, quote, we began without a thing but ourselves and hearts bursting with happiness and joy. And never was the adage as calm, as peaceful a May morning, so burningly true, end quote. The article goes on to detail the multitudes that gathered in a happiness that knew no bound. The article concludes by talking about the plan to build a wonderful structure at the intersection of Peachtree and Spring, and then these words, quote, there is no telling whereunto this thing will grow, but to all those interested in the growth and upbuilding of the master's kingdom, we say, watch and see, end quote. Today, 94 years later, we have come together in this place to worship because of the good gifts our founding mothers and fathers gave to us. Let us be exceedingly grateful, and may we also realize that even this morning, we are continuing a legacy that was before us and goes ahead of us. As we join together in worship, please follow along in your order of worship as we sing, speak, pray, and listen together. Please know that children are always welcome in any of our services, and also that full children's programming is located on the second floor. There are many ways to engage in the life and community at Peachtree. Please see your order of worship for ways to get involved in a ministry, to learn, or to volunteer. At some point in today's service, we invite everyone to fill out the black notepad that's located in your pew. This is the first way to connect with us so that we can partner together as a community of reconciliation, cultivation, and care for all who enter our doors. Thank you.
Please find the call to worship as printed in your order of service. Please respond to the bold text. Please stand. Almighty God, to whose glory we celebrate the founding of this church. We pray that all who seek you here may find you. The foundation of Peachtree Christian Church is Jesus Christ, our Lord, our hymn, is hymn number 272, 272, the church's one foundation.
Let us pray together. God, our Father, gather us this morning into the nurture of your church. Let our words and stories like that of a mother give us new birth and belonging. Christ, our foundation, we come to remember you and to have rest in you. Feed us at your table, just as you have always sustained your people, even in this place, with provisions to push toward hope. Holy Spirit, our fire, fill us and lead us so that we might share your vision and victory when we are sent from this place. And hear us this morning as we join our voices in the prayer that our Lord has taught us to pray, boldly saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated.
is a blessing to be led in worship by our children. And as children, we come before our God and mother to ask for forgiveness. So please join me in the prayer of penitence as found in your order of worship. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Friends, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And as such, we are forgiven. We may unite with one another and share the peace of Christ. I invite you now to stand and greet one another by saying, peace be with you. My mother died in November. I miss her very much. I love to communicate with my mother each and every day. My mother had profound hearing loss, so I could not speak to her on the telephone. So I texted her every morning at 4 a.m. Pensacola time. My mother was a fine Christian woman. She taught Sunday school for most of her life. In fact, she was the spiritual leader of our home. Today we celebrate our mothers and the faith of our mothers, what our mothers have taught us. Our hymn of preparation is entitled Faith of Our Mothers, and that text is printed in your order of service. Would you please reference that as we sing these two verses together, please remain seated.
Sometimes when things are very familiar, we risk missing a subtle or additional meaning. Such is the case this week with the lectionary providing us Psalm 23. It is very tempting to just hurry through these words because we know them so well. They are familiar. But verse 5 takes on a fresh meaning when presented here at the table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When Jesus and the disciples shared their last meal together, they were, in fact, in the presence of enemies. Judas was the enemy among them. Outside that upper room, there were people who were fearful and distrustful of the message and the actions of Jesus Christ. And throughout the country, the Roman Empire was an occupying army. Yet in the midst of this fear and strife, God chose to prepare a table of love and grace. It's a table that we remember still. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Join me in prayer. Loving and generous Father, we bow before you acknowledging your power, your wisdom, your love, and your leadership. We thank you for this table of grace and mercy and love. We are grateful and we know that it comes through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. The gifts of God are for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. And I point out that the Lord's Supper is for all Christians of every church. Please partake of the communion trays as they are passed to you.
94 years ago today, 400 people left First Christian Church of Atlanta to go start a church plant in the outskirts of town, which is no longer, as you see, the outskirts of town. But this church has been built always on people coming together, using their resources and their skills and their many different personalities and talents to blend it all together, to weave a tapestry of faith that has produced much good work in this world. 400 started it, and we continue their legacy. Now's the time in our service where we take up an offering, and it's really a symbol of just that, how we all come together, we all contribute to do the work of God. We cannot do this on our own. You see in your order of worship that you can give as the alms basins are passed, you can text to give, or you can give online. We like to make it easy for you, so however you like to give, please do so with a generous heart. I'll just, as a, an aside, I'll say on the back of your order of worship, you can find out about the A.G. Road Society, which is a way for people to remember Peachtree and their wills so that we can keep this building going, this ministry alive and preserved. As you can see, that back window is out for restoration. And so we're doing good work with it right now, but I can tell you this, we still have need of you and we have need of each other. Please give with a generous and in a communal heart. I bless you.
52 Sundays a year, 94 years, we have been singing the same song for all of those years. The song is our doxology. And yet, our blessings continue, our blessings multiply. So it is important that we embrace that beautiful text and that melody and we praise God from whom all blessings flow. Would you please stand? God, we are thankful for your many gifts and how when they are combined together, they make a tapestry, a beautiful woven thing of gifts from all different people and all different places, something beautiful. Take these gifts and multiply them and give us wisdom to use them best for your kingdom. It's in the name of your son, Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please remain standing for a reading from a reading for a reading from Holy Scripture, and I'd like to welcome Reverend Nancy Oliver, our former Minister of Family and Children, to, to read for us. Thank you. Thank you. And now hear the inspired words in Holy Scripture, reading from Acts chapter 9, verses 9 through 36 through 43. It's found in your order of worship, and it's also on page 128 in the New Testament in your pew Bibles. Hear now the reading of the word. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him on with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with him. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, 
and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. God bless the reading of the word to our understanding. God's word for God's people. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Happy Mother's Day to you all. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together. Last week I told you that on Monday, last Monday at 6.15, the 11 Alive news team was going to have a story with me in it. Um, it did not air, but I am told it's going to air tomorrow at 6.15. So if anybody's interested in getting up early, 6.15 in the morning, turn on Channel 11. They interviewed me asking the question, why do bad things happen to good people? The interview is about 25 or 30 minutes, and they told me that the uh, footage would be only a minute to a minute 30. So I'm a little hesitant, but nevertheless, I'm going to get up and watch it. Are you going to get up and watch it? That's a bunch of liars. <laughs> Straight up in the house of God. That's okay, though. Brownie points. Made me feel good for a second. Happy Mother's Day. Let us turn to God uh, prayerfully before we engage the story. Creator God, we're thankful for the life that you have given us. But we confess that we don't always live well with it. Through unwisdom, greed, pride, selfishness, we sully your good gifts. But we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that you've sent your son Christ to reconcile us to yourself, to cultivate in us a desire for your kingdom, to make us a community of care. Thank you. Send your Holy Spirit freshly in this hour, God. We believe that you have sent your spirit to counsel us, to guide us, to be a friend. Send your spirit now for you and I know without you I can do nothing. Send your spirit that this text, this story, would be planted in our hearts and would it change the way we live. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray and God's people say together, amen. I have had a tapestry of experiences with Carol King's album, Tapestry, and namely with the song, Way Over Yonder. I hope you know it. It's a wonderful song. Colleen's mom shared it with Colleen, and Colleen's always loved it. So when she was called on by a friend of ours at our annual Harvest Fest in our, my last church to, to sing, she said, I want to sing Carol King. When I hear Way Over Yonder, I go right back to the first time I heard her do it. It was dark. We had a 30-foot bonfire. Smoke filled the air. It's Midwestern chilly fall night. And just like the smokiness in the air lingered beautifully, my wife's sultry, soulful, smoky voice sang that song. When I hear it, I go there. A couple years later, she sang it again, and her friend Jane came to her, and Jane said, I want you to sing that at my funeral. It was an interesting moment between a younger friend and an older friend, but Frankly, when I hear that song, I think of Jane. Several years after that, my Aunt Susie was dying in the hospital of cancer. I went to be with her, and she wasn't a believer in God, at least not that I knew of. She didn't live a life that seemed like she was interested in Jesus, but 
she was on the edge of life, and she was concerned, and she asked me to talk to her about things. And we began to discuss Christ, and she prayed with me. She asked me to baptize her in her bed. My friend Dan was there. He pulled out his guitar. Colleen was there, and I said, could you do play Way Over Yonder? And Colleen sang, that's my aunt, about the sweet-tasting good life. My home is over there. When I hear that song, I think about my Aunt Susie. Many tapestry experience hearing that song, memories, people woven together. Life is a many-threaded tapestry. If you focus narrowly upon it, you're liable to see a thread, a single solitary thread, and it might appear to be fragile and weak, but if you step back and you take a wider view, you see those threads coming together to make something more interdependent, more beautiful and strong. Knowing this about life makes death painful. When we lose people we love, it's more than that they feel so far away. It feels like something important has been severed. The widows mourn over their friend Tabitha. Tabitha was, I think, the thread that held their community together. In the ancient world, you might have heard before that widows had no agency, or rather women really didn't have agency. They couldn't own land. Women were kind of like the property of their fathers until they became the property of their husbands. And the prayer of any woman was that they would have a firstborn child be a male so that when their husbands died, their son could take care of them. Caring for the widows and orphans, these people without agency, is proper religion in the Bible. It's necessary work. I think Tabitha was one of these religious people who cared for people who could not care for themselves. It says that she was charitable toward them, that she made them cloaks and tunics. She made them tapestries, things that they might wear, things that they could clothe them and keep them safe. She gave them things, and they weren't just things. I believe that she knitted them together. Have you ever met somebody that was so integral to a community that when they were gone, they just couldn't hold anymore? My friend's mother was that for his family. He told me many times that when his mom died, the, the family cord is kind of, it kind of fell apart like melted jello. I got to see it firsthand, though, not with his family, with an extended family of seminarians. I was in seminary studying for ministry, and my friend came uh, from Chicago down to the seminary to enroll himself. In our first day on campus, he told me something I didn't know, that, that his mom and dad had, in fact, gone to that seminary when he was a small child. I said, oh, well, this is like full circle for you. And immediately, we bumped into the dean of the seminary who saw him and called him by his name because he knew him when he was a boy. And he embraced him, and he began to tear, and he said, you know, when your mom died, our Sunday school class fell apart. I could see that she was integral to that little community too. Tabitha, she knitted them together and now they mourn. She has died, they mourn, and Peter, the apostle, is called for. The widows do more than simply speak of 
Tabitha's charity, they do something quite interesting. They, they hold those tunics, those cloaks, those, those tapestries. They cling to them. You know, I've been thinking a lot about Reverend Nancy Oliver's mom, Eloise Litz, because last year on this day, Nancy, Eloise, and Nancy's daughter read a poem together here about Mother's Day. It was quite beautiful. Eloise has gone to be with the Lord, and if you knew her, she was four feet nothing and filled with vim and vinegar, and she could be quoted, I don't know, as long as the day is, you could find a quote that Eloise said and put a great spin on it. Here's something she said. The things you do for yourself die with you, but the things you do for others outlive you. Tabitha had done something for others that was outliving her. And the presence of these mourners is obvious, or it's, it's, it's proof of it. They didn't merely cling to her tapestries, though, as if they were just comforting. In a way, it's almost like they're presenting them before Peter, like, look, she's a person worth your time. She's a person worthy of being resurrected. Look at all the good she's done. But that's not the reason that Peter resurrects her. It's not about meritocracy. No, no, Peter is living in the light of Easter. And what do we know about Easter? Easter is when death has been overcome by death. And so Peter's living the mission of Easter. Wherever he goes, he's overcoming the wrongs of the world with the power of Christ Jesus. Here's a thing I want you to use as an interpretive key. Anytime you see Jesus or an apostle do a miracle in the New Testament, rather than getting all scientific on me and wondering if miracles happen or how could we explain it away, I just want you to read it like this. This is what life looks like when God is in charge. The wrong things are put right. And so Peter, Peter calls the life back to Tabitha that she may live again. And there is, in fact, power in that. But. On a day like today, Mother's Day, Founder's Day, our 94th anniversary, what moves me the most in this story is the presence of these widows. They keep watch over Tabitha and cling to the treasured tapestries that she made for each one of them. Now, is this sentimental materialism? No. No, it's not. It's, it's more. They're clinging to these things because they are signs. They're signs of hope. They're signs of faith. They're signs of that sweet-tasting good life found in Christ Jesus. For me, the sweet-tasting good life was introduced to me by my mama. Now, I have a statue at home, and I understand as I'm going to explain it to you, you will think me a person of low artistic taste. I can assure you that this is mostly about sentiment and not about the art. But my mom used to paint ceramics. I'm not sure if you've ever seen or known someone who's painted ceramic, ceramic statues, but she did that. And she painted this one statue that I've always treasured, and it's a statue of Santa Claus kneeling before Jesus. Okay, it's not fine art. But... She used that statue when I was a little boy to tell me how things are really supposed to be. 
she told me that we were to bend the knee to Jesus, that Christ was king of all. She began to weave a tapestry of faith that would be my foundation, and it was woven with others too, my father and my grandmother who was blind from diabetes, but she, she always taught me the stories from the scriptures. It's woven together with Reverend Harrison Wallace and Kyoka Wallace, my first pastor and his wife. It's woven by so many people who have shared something good, the sweet-tasting good life of Jesus Christ with me. And i got to tell you, these people, where they lead, I will follow anywhere because I know they will lead me to the foot of the cross, to Christ Jesus. I'm inspired by these widows today because they cling to these good signs of faith handed down to them by Tabitha. I'm inspired by these widows today because... When Tabitha was raised, they dropped those tapestries and clung on to her. They let go of what was before to cling and grasp for the new life that was present in Christ, for that new thing that God was doing in their very midst. Their tapestries are now gilded by the resurrection. These women are inspiring my imagination today because their story is something similar to the story of our church. Ninety-four years ago, our church's charter was signed at the Atlanta Women's Club, the Wimbish House, as it's called, just a few miles south of us on Peachtree Street. And on that day and the days that followed, our church clung to the signs of faith present in our church's tradition. We said at every worship service, we were going to observe the Lord's Supper. We said that we we're going to baptize believers by immersion. We're going to dip them under water because that's what we read in the New Testament. We said, you know what? We are about Christian unity across denominational lines. Even if we don't always agree, we're going to agree on the important stuff. We keep clinging to these teachings. We cling to the teaching that the New Testament church found in the book of Acts is a pretty compelling revolutionary community and we ought to get on board with it. Our church's foundation has clung to those traditions, but our founders were wise. They were still looking to see what God was up to now. They didn't cling so tightly to the past that they couldn't see God moving freshly right now in their midst. They asked, what is God up to now in our community? Because they ask those questions, we can see architecture like this in our sanctuary. Behind me on the chancel wall, you will see on your left a man in prayer kneeling. And to, my right, to your right, you will see a woman kneeling at prayer. And they are at the exact same height. Ninety-four years ago, the people of this congregation said women were not subservient to men. And I don't mean to offend you, but 90-some years ago in Atlanta, Georgia, I'm thinking this is a fairly progressive notion. Would you agree? It's because they, they could hold on to the traditions but have an openness to what new stuff God was doing in their midst that they could, they could pen our charting mission statement to be a cathedral for the city of Atlanta to be a place of prayer for all people, where here's another progressive notion, actually, where no unkind word would be said about anybody's race or religion here. Our founders said this, we want you, community, Atlanta, to belong here. But if you don't want to belong here, that's okay. We want you to know that this church belongs to you. 
They had a very big imagination for how God could be moving here at this corner and moving in a way that could bring freshness and newness and vitality to the city of Atlanta and beyond. Oh, it's a compelling mission. You cling to the things that you've been handed, but you're open to the new stuff. Uh, Maybe I can quote some other lyrics, but probably not from the great Carol King. I'll choose a lesser songwriter, the band 38 Special. Hold on loosely, but don't let go. Because if you cling too tightly, you're going to lose it. You guys are terrible. You can't be in my band. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose control. Hold on loosely, but don't let go. Because if you cling too tightly, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose control. Friends, we hang on to what we've been handed, but not in such a tight way that we can't see that God is doing something now. There's new life happening now. We've got to move in that direction That's the future of our church. It reminds me of Henry Winkler, the Fonz. I don't know how you feel about Henry Winkler, but he's got this incredible story. You see, his family escaped from Nazi Germany just in the nick of time. In fact, I mean, it was so close. His uncle went back to get his uh, dinner jacket that was being tailored, and he didn't make it out. So he grew up in New York without a lot of actual blood kin because a lot of them didn't make it out. But he grew up in a community of people who were German Jews, and they all kind of had a similar experience. And so those people became, in a sense, kin to Henry Winkler and his family. And there was a woman who joined them sometime later. And I want you to hear how she escaped uh, the Nazi occupation. She was smuggled out in a casket. She crossed the pond hidden in a casket. And at her feet, she stored what she was bringing. She took very few things. One of the most treasured things she brought was a spider plant, you know, those spindly plants that just kind of grow everywhere and out of control. And it was a sign. It was a memory to her of a time before, life before all of this. When she got to the new world, when she got to New York and she got into community, she started doing this thing where she would take cuttings of the spider plant and give it to everyone in her family. Everyone gets a cutting. It's a remembrance of what's gone before, but what comes from it next is always new. New life. Henry Winkler has children. He's given cuttings of this one plant to his children. Every time he's on a great production of a movie or television show, he takes cuttings of it to spread it around to more people. Friends, these women show me that we can cling to good stuff that's been given to us, but be open to the new stuff God is doing in our midst. Let's stand firmly on the foundation of the mothers and fathers of our faith who've gone before us in great gratitude. Be excited because God is going to use you to do something new. God's not done. It took great faith for our founding fathers and mothers to leave an established church and to sign the charter for a new church at the Wimbish House. It took great faith and courage for our founders to come to this intersection 
and to commit to build a great monumental church here, especially it took faith during a time of economic collapse in our country. And yet they persevered and their faith sustained them. However, their faith and our faith are insignificant when you think about the amazing faith of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Our hymn is hymn number 86, Great is Thy Faithfulness, O God, my Father. Please stand. <laughs>
friends, it is a joy to worship with you. I, I'm so pleased to see so many wonderful moms and descendants of founders of our congregation and just so many wonderful of people here today. It's good, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'd love to greet you uh, at the back door and then at our gathering space for some refreshments. Um, friends, for those of you who are in the interest of our Evensong service, it's, it's not uh, happening tonight for the sake of moms, so uh, pass the word along. Also, on the back of your order of worship, you can see that there's an advertisement for an, a partnering organization to the church, Peachtree Christian Health, which is a, uh, a, a respite care facility for seniors. And uh, we're about to open this thing sometime this summer, and we need at least 10 volunteers from this congregation to contribute one to two shifts a month out there. So if you would like to volunteer and make a difference to families uh, that have significant needs, please see Reverend Jared Wortman. I need at least 10. I'm not going to live without 10, okay? Like, I'm just going to keep saying it till I get 10 of you signed up. Thank you for laughing, Dee. But, but I'm quite serious, 10 of you, and that's it. Okay, friends, please check out our order of worship at Peachtree.org for uh, all the ways that you can plug in the life of this beloved community. I'll leave it with Reverend Chambers to give us a good word.